New York Artist Collective. Hi there and welcome to the New York Artist Collective podcast this next one's about. This is the podcast where we take a look behind the scenes with one of our favourite New York artists to discuss the creative process behind one of their songs. I'm your host, Stephanie Manns, singer-songwriter and one of the New York Artist Collective producers. And today's guest is NYAC alum Kevin Daniel, here to talk about his latest song, Used To Be, from his brand new album released in September. Kevin Daniel, hello. Hello. Hello, welcome to the podcast once again. Yeah, I'm glad to be back. Always glad to be back, which this was my 20th time and not my second. We can we can work up to it. We have time. God willing, it is running that long. Yeah, I mean, you're a very busy musician. I'm sure that there will be plenty more opportunities to have conversations. Great. <laughs> so congratulations, first of all, on your new album that came out in September. Yes, thank you so much. It's, uh, I think, from the time I started on it till the time it was finished, it was about a year. Yeah, I'm thinking because the last time we spoke, you said you had just started to work on it and you were telling me about who you were recording it with and where you were recording it. So it's great that it's finally done and out into the world. And it's called Things I Don't See. Yes, it is. And that is the title track of the album, also called Things I Don't See. I keep saying that I was never going to do that again because I did that with my last EP mm-hmm. where the title of the album was Myself Through You and the title track was Myself Through You. And it got really confusing with the press and with Spotify. And then I did it again. So here we are. <laughs> well, I think one thing you said you weren't going to do is call it just Kevin Daniel. Yeah. You definitely said you weren't going to do that. So well done. You kept at least one thing. Thank you. I feel like maybe I should have gone with Kevin Daniel, but we're good. We're good. People are <laughs> cool. So we'll come on to talk about all of the things that you have been up to over the last year. And I'm I've obviously seen a lot of the things that you've been up to in person, and there's been lots of music videos and things online. Anyway, we'll, we'll get to that. So we're here to talk today about uh, your one of one of the new ch- uh, tracks on your album, "Used to Be." Yes. So tell me about "Used to Be." I know from reading the press doc, uh, it is a follow up to "Pour Me a Drink," which is one of my favorite Kevin Daniel songs. So tell me more about this one. Great. Um, that's funny that you say it's one of your favorite songs. Um, it is also. The radio station's favorite songs, when you try to get your songs on radio, you sort of give them a handful of ones that you think might be good, and then they sort of choose one. They don't all have to choose the same one, but they have pretty much all been choosing Pour Me a Drink. So Used to Be uh, is about being different than the person I was. And that is in a sense, in a lot of ways, in a sense that I'm not really trying to chase down that sort of like cool young party version of myself. And I know that sort of sounds easy to say, but I just feel like being in my life where I am and the people I hang out with, like people are just having a hard time growing up. (laughs) And I'm not going to say that like I've grown up, but living in New York with young people who have full-time jobs, it's just, you know, you go out a lot, you party a lot, you do a lot of things. And it sort of feels like, you're kind of always chasing like that person that you were in like college or right after college or something. And so on the surface level, it's sort of just about me, like finally being like, you know what, I'm a different person now and I like who I am now. And that person is a better person than I used to be. But it's also sort of a reference to me losing my mom and my stepdad in a plane crash about six and a half years ago. And sort of just the life change that came along with that. I mean, I, I changed a lot after I found out about that and after it happened. And I went through a lot of dark times, a lot of good times. But I just think I'm a very different person than I was before that happened. May I ask how old you were when that happened? I was 23. That's that's young. No, no, sorry. I was 26. 
26 and I'm 33 now. So I guess it was seven years ago. Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, obviously, I mean, that's a, that's a very formative time to, to lose parents. Um, and obviously coming into your thirties with that in your, in your background would obviously, you know, have quite a profound impact on you and sort of growing up through that period, you know, without your, without your folks. Yeah. I mean, it mostly, um, I think the biggest impact it had is it sort of gave me the motivation to just to just start making my own music. I had always sort of been somebody else's bandmate and never really doing my own stuff. And, you know, you know what it is. You play your own music. It's it's really the the biggest thing is the fear of putting your own stuff out there. Um, you know, screw all the technical stuff of getting it actually online and whatever and getting people to listen to it. But just just putting it out there. It's, it's really scary. I think to take that first step and I took it and I've just been going forward ever since. All right. We'll tell you what, let's, uh, let's play the track and then we can talk more about the album. Cause I think there's a, there's a lot to delve into. So this is Kevin Daniel and used to be.
So Kevin, that was used to be um, the radio's favorite. I love it also. Um, I love the, the production on on the album in general. Um, who who produced this one? So that was produced by Kenny Siegel, and Kenny Siegel is the same guy who produced a bunch of songs and albums for Langhorn Slim, who is a Americana artist that I really really like and sort of one of the people who sort of helped me develop my style, not personally, just through his influence and listening to him and not only my physical style, but also my musical style. And uh, I just was like, hey, I I feel like I should just be able to hit this guy's producer up and see if he wants to work with me. And I didn't know. I'd never done that before. I didn't even really know how much like regular producers charge. And I had always kind of worked with somebody that I knew. And um, I hit him up. He was affordable. And I gave him a handful of songs. He chose the three he liked the most. And I went up there and recorded it. And the backing band um, on the album is The Restless Age. And they're a really great band out of uh, Hudson, New York. I could talk for hours about them. And the guitar player is actually John Ledow, who I don't know if he's a full-time player or just plays a lot with the National Reserve, which is a, a local Brooklyn mm. Americana band that just kind of, yeah. they're killing it. Yeah, I know them. They're great. Yeah. Um, just to touch on something you said before um, before we played the song, you were talking about the release and what it's like to let something kind of into the ether. So this was your first full-length album, right? Yeah. And obviously you've done some some EPs before then what was the difference or or how how was the scarier or or bigger for you it was a lot of work um I think that the biggest thing for me was the patience like I had never worked on anything this long so for me to make sure that it was up to the standards that I wanted it to be required a lot of patience because I really wanted to kind of rush everything I wanted to be like let's just do this let's just get this done and kudos to Ben Rice, the owner of DeGraw Sound and also a producer there, who really helped me slow it down and take everything into context and take time with each song. Scheduling is really hard for something like this when you don't have your own band. I would say probably 15 to 20 different musicians had some sort of uh, role in this album, whether they just came in to do a few lines of of horns or, you know, whether it's somebody who's on every single track. People are like, well, what do you do when you're recording an album? I'm like, honestly, most of it is project management. <laughs> you know, it's just like making sure that all my ducks in a row and everything is is done. And then even once you're done recording, then there's so much to do with the mixing and the mastering. And the hardest part about it for me right now is that I'm kind of just personally, I hate to say it, I'm just kind of over it now. <laughs> you know, I've been, I've been with it for so long. I want to write a new album already. I want to write new songs, but I spend so much time on this. I really owe it to myself to to tour on it and promote it for a year or two. You're you're absolutely right. It is a lot of project management. I mean, th- I went into my first album with like spreadsheets upon spreadsheets of of things. Um, you know, like who was playing on what, and you know when something was done, and how I would check it off, and things. And and there's obviously more to it than that. But right. um, you know, in terms of the cost and how you manage it, and how you you know you track all of it. What did you? What was the biggest learning experience for you? And what would you do differently? And I mean, what would you diff- do differently? Not for this album, but for album number two. Like my only complaint about this album is that I just don't think there's a lot of cohesiveness be- between the tracks. I think it it kind of sounds like it could be a couple different albums spliced together, um, which for some musicians, they think that's a big deal. For other musicians, they don't really care. I'm kind of in the middle. I think it's like not essential, but I think it could have been done maybe a little bit better. So I think maybe just spending time in really laying out, I guess like an outline, almost like you're writing a book or a paper or something. 
really laying an outline for maybe how I want the album to start, how I want it to be in the middle and how I want it to end. And then kind of building songs up from there to kind of meet those albums needs. And I'd probably just give myself more time to record, you know, and just really not try and lock myself into certain days. That's hard to do when you live somewhere like New York City and and recording can be at a premium sometimes. But, you know, I think it's important to not rush yourself in the studio. And I think it's important to spend a lot of time with stuff. That's good advice for, for young songwriters. In terms of Spotify and the difference between, you know, singles and albums, how how much did you feel that was a bigger pressure or, you know, harder in any way? Um, cause obviously with, with, you know, doing a Spotify single release, you can kind of do one and then you could do another one in a couple of months and kind of keep yeah. that buzz going. Yeah. Did you feel, you know, Oh crap, it's out now. And you know, how do I keep plugging this and promoting it and keeping it fresh? Yeah. I mean, there's ways that you can do that. And it certainly is important to not just drop something and then like, let it, you know, rot, <laughs> you know? So like I, I dropped a couple singles or I dropped three singles and two music videos before it ever even came out. I have at least four or five music videos left, uh, like real music videos that have already been shot that just need to be edited. So, you know, there's tons of things that you can do to sort of keep people interested in the album. You know, I'm working on getting some of the songs licensed. If that ever happens, that'll be more press for the album. And look, everyone's got an opinion on whether you should make a single, whether you should make an EP or whether you should make album. When I was making an EP, people who were very respected individuals in the industry were telling me to make an album because I would have a better shot of getting it on the radio. A radio promoter told me people are a lot more interested in taking EPs because it's easier for them to swallow. Yep. And I'm like, I literally heard the exact opposite information from someone. And I think right now, even though things are sort of settling down in terms of the wild west of music, I still think people are figuring it out. And I think that's a good opportunity for artists like me, because that means I can kind of try different things and not really be beholden to the same quote unquote rules and laws that were scheduling artists back in the day. You've been pretty busy with the run up to this album in terms of the videos that you've mentioned. Um, you've also been touring pretty heavily over spring and summer and you've, you're, you've got you know some more tour dates um, during fall and winter. Um, How has that experience been for you? Because I know that it was quite an extensive tour this summer. Yeah, I'm always tired. <laughs> <laughs> That's really what it is. I will come home from tour and sleep for like two days straight. It's been awesome. I mean, it's one of my passions is being on the road. I, I didn't really know that about myself. You know, I never really thought about being a musician as as really being a constantly touring artist. That wasn't really I mean, it, that is part of it, but it's just not what I thought about. You know, I thought about like performance and songwriting and recording, but not really being on the road for extended periods of time. And now that I've been doing it for a little while, like I love it. I mean, honestly, if I could like live in a bus with my girlfriend and my two dogs and we could just travel the country and do nothing but play music, I would do it. I'm not really at that point in my life where I can do that, or I don't think my girlfriend is interested in doing that. <laughs> and, <laughs> Poor Olivia. And, uh, and our dogs are huge, too. I mean, look, speaking of my girlfriend, that has been part of, you know, the hard the hard part about this is it really is, it's growing pains or something like this, especially like we started dating before I played music full time. So transitioning from me being around and us being in a normal relationship to me being gone all the time, it is hard. It's just something that, I just have to let her know that it's not just like, you know, me dicking around and going to a new town. Like this is my lifestyle. Like this is what I like to do as an artist at my level where I'm just starting to get on the radio and I'm just starting to get some attention. It's important to be on the road and go touring. It, it really is like it's you just got to get out there. You meet people you never thought you'd meet. You make fans that you would never make over the Internet or through Spotify. 
And you start to discover people who like your music who you never even knew. I mean, I'm getting to the point now where I have people show up at almost every show who I don't know who show up just to hear my music. And honestly, that's not, that's something I never thought would happen. So you got to go on tour to find that out. That's true. You know, I think there's no there's no substitute for getting in front of people organically who will then kind of follow you organically. And it, that's just kind of how it happens. I mean, much as we loved, you know, everyone would kind of love to get playlisted on a Spotify playlist and, and there you go, that's your career. But I don't know. I don't think that's really, um, what's the word? I don't want to say earning your chops. I think that's the wrong phrase. Yeah. I think it's just not lasting. You know, it's not, it's not a, a lifelong career move. You know, you, you need to make real connections with fans who will be there with you till the end. And you really need to do that in person, at least at some point in your career. And it, it's not everyone can do it. I mean, I, it's hard as hell. <laughs> it's hard. Mm -hmm. What's the, I mean, what does it feel like for you when people sing, sing your, your lyrics back to you? I like still don't believe it. Let's put it that way. Like I still think someone is playing a trick on me. I had a show in Tulsa and I don't know anyone in Tulsa. And there were like five people in the crowd and like there's no one there. And like two people knew some of the words to my songs, were requesting songs. And then I went up to them after the show and I was like, what? What's going on? I was like, who do you know? Do I like know you guys somehow? They're like, oh, no, we just came to hear you. And I was like, OK, why are you really here? I literally thought that they were like trolling me. And then I realized that they actually just like my music and came to see me play. <laughs> it's weird. And for me, it's still somewhat unbelievable. That's pretty. That's pretty awesome. Can you know, congratulations. It's It's wonderful. Yeah, it's nice. It was a good feeling because I was in Tulsa and I didn't know anyone. So I was like, oh, my God, this is such a great feeling. So you mentioned that you just started to get on radio. So you said you had your first radio spin. What was that like? You know, I wish it was like in the movies when you're like riding along in your own car and you hear yourself on the radio and you're like, oh, my God. Um, but that hasn't happened to me yet, mainly because I don't really listen to the radio. Uh, but it has happened for other people. They just don't know it's me. Um, so I, yeah, I mean, getting into the radio is, it's interesting. First off, you, you kind of need a radio promoter. There are different ways to get on the radio. It can happen organically. Um, but usually you need someone who's been working in the industry and, and knows how to present your songs to people and who are the right venues to present them to. Cause some radio stations are never going to play my kind of music, but I would, if I didn't have this person working with me, I would have wasted a lot of time pitching radio stations that would never play my music because I don't know much about the station. So it's good to have somebody on your side who can do this for you. And then when you start getting like your track listings and seeing where you've been playing and how many times you've been playing, it's just really cool. You know, it's just like I just have visions of people just riding around. I mean, Woodstock Radio in New York is a great example. Um, they play my stuff all the time. And like, that's a kick ass radio station. And people who listen to that radio station are cool as hell. So the fact that like, I am playing to them and they're listening to this and enjoying my music. It's pretty cool. I really, I mean, I'm still waiting for the moment when I hear myself on my own radio and be like, oh my God, I guess I need to stop listening to podcasts and start actually turning the FM radio on for that to happen. Well, Kevin, thoroughly enjoying our conversation. However, um, I have two final questions for you. I, I like to ask this question at the end of a podcast to find out what artists are listening to and what's inspiring them. Um, do you remember the days of the iPod? I do remember the days of the iPod. Excellent. I interviewed somebody recently who was like, no, I was embarrassed. Definitely remember the iPod and the mini disc player. 
Oh yeah, the mini disc. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Did you have a, a CD man or a Walkman also? I had a Walkman, yes, for sure. So retro. Me too. Sorry. So if you had still had an iPod, what would the top uh, two or three tracks be? Top two or three tracks. Right now, I'm listening to a lot of Sturgill Simpson. He just came out with a new record, and it is real weird. Real weird, but in a really good way, and I'm really loving mm. it. Didn't his last one, his last one won the Grammy, wasn't it? I was think it was the one before that. Was it one before yeah, that? Yeah, he's, okay. he's, I mean, he may have put out more than three, but since I've known about him, he's put out three. And this last one is just way, way different than his other ones. Um I don't really know the names of the songs because they're all really weird and I've just been listening to my car. But definitely Sturgill is going to be on that checklist. That's for sure. I've been listening to a ton of him and I'm really, really digging it. I've been listening to Charlie Crockett, um, who is a sort of like country western-ish musician. He's got a great vibe, though. And he just put out a new album that he's been touring on for a little while as well. Um, he's from San Benito. He's just, he's just a really, really cool dude. And he just looks like somebody I grew up with, like actually grew up with. Um, so I don't know, that kind of touches me in a weird way, but his, his, one of his best songs I like is I want to cry. And it's just really, really good. And Tyler Childer, sorry, there's no women on this one. I've just been like in a weird, like, like redneck dude, country phase. Um, Tyler Childers has a song out white house road which is a song that I actually cover a lot. And it's it's not a new song. He's actually put out a new album since he released the album that the song was on. But it's just, it's a great song. And I got to say, every time I cover it in one of my shows, at least one or two people will come up after and ask me who sang this. I mean, I always say who sang the song, but they'll come up to like confirm that it was this guy. And yeah, man, Tyler, Charlie, and Sturgill. Check them out. So, Kevin, one last question. What is coming up for you that, that people can come and check you out at? Do you have any more shows? What is coming up for you in the fall? And where can Kevin? Where can people find out about Kevin Daniel? They can find out about Kevin Daniel at thekevindaniel.com. The, T- oh, you are the Kevin Daniel. I always yeah, forget. The Kevin Daniel. Yeah. T-H-E-KevinDaniel.com. And you can literally get connected to everything Kevin Daniel from that website. I am doing a cool run in Texas with this guy, Johnny Chops, at the end of the month from uh, October 30th to November 2nd, playing a very cool Halloween show in New Braunfels, Texas. I've never played in Texas before, so this should be real crazy. And then after that, I am going to be touring through the South at the end of the year. I mean, I'm just touring, man. Just got to go to thekevindaniel.com slash tour. I am going to be either coming somewhere near you or near someone you know. So help me out. I'll be in the UK in January. And I'm definitely going to talk to you about that at some point. Oh, exciting. Whereabouts? Um, I'll be in London and then I'm trying to tour from through London, maybe hit up the Isle of Wight, which actually has a cool venue that I like. I'm going to go to Ireland as well for a couple of days. Uh, definitely hit up Liverpool and Manchester. I'm working with somebody right now on, on booking it out. I hope you're going to go to Scotland. I would be very upset if you don't go to Scotland. I don't think I am going to go to Scotland. I don't have that much time. And three of those days, I have to be in London for a music conference. Kevin, Kevin, Kevin. I know. I know. It's just very easy to get to Ireland. And I already know a promoter there. So it's just like, it's easy. So of course, obviously, Kevin, if I can help you out in the UK, then I will do so. I love it. It has been a year since you played the New York Artist Collective show. And I think there have been like, I've really enjoyed seeing the connections that you've made post that show. And I think you've pulled me into different things and 
So, you know, it's it's been a really nice sort of network of things that have been building up. I'm, I'm really grateful for all of these these things that are going on. Yeah, I'm very happy that you were doing all of this because I think one of the things that New York is missing for artists of our genre and nature is a community like this. Yeah, I just think that there just isn't a big community for like Americana singer-songwriters and sort of countryish music around here. So thank you for doing this because, yeah, like you said, I've been hanging out with a lot of people from it and they've been helping me and I've been helping them. So it's all good. That's great. That's how it should work. Kevin, it's been such a pleasure chatting to you. I love the album. We will playlist it. I think we have we have it on our Spotify playlist at the moment. Um, and if people want to check you out, they can go to thekevindaniel.com. Thank you. Glad to be here. The brilliant Kevin Daniel and his song used to be. If you want to find out more about Kevin, you can go to thekevindaniel.com and his details are, of course, in today's episode. Next week, I will be chatting with another NYIC alum who's back with a brand new release. Stephen Babcock joins us to talk about his latest song, Devil. So make sure you subscribe to the podcast to get that one direct to your device. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of This Next One's About. I'm your host, Stephanie Manns. See you next time. New York Artist Collective.